I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today's episode is another magic moment in my life. I have known about my guest, Tim Braun, for over 10 years. I have followed him, watched him on TV, and found him so intriguing and someone I would dream of sharing with you on this show. This manifestation of him saying yes reminded me of how I tell my girls to always dream big, that no dream is too big. If you believe it and know in your heart, then it will come true. There has been moments as a mom when I have seen big dreams come into reality, when they have put this magical formula to work. I tell them that first you must ask, ask for what you want, be crystal clear, then get into a high state of vibration, meaning get happy or do something that you love that makes you happy. Like for me, it's going outside for a run. That's what gets my vibration up. And then I'm in a place of allowing. After you decide what you want, get in alignment, see it happening as if it's already done, and then feel the feeling as if it's happened. And of course, you need to take action and then surrender and then trust. Those are two keys that people get caught up in when wanting to manifest something. They think it needs to happen now in their timing. The trick is to stay happy and in alignment. Catch yourself when you aren't and adjust. Keep visualizing that what you want and act as if it's done. Do what inspires you to take action on and then allow it to come into reality. It is so fun and it's really that easy. You just need to believe and allow and surrender to God and trust in his timing. Look back on your life and realize all that you ever really wanted when you did the work and trusted it all came to life. That's just how it works. Trust, trust, and trust some more. (laughs) I promise this process works. As a parent, teaching your kids to trust and dream big sometimes seems hard because of society's social pressure and the beliefs they have that have been programmed in those little minds. If you instill in your kids the knowing that they can be, do, or have anything, that they are way more powerful than they realize. It will raise the bar to the things they desire in life. Before we get started with this incredible interview, please remember if you want a spot in my free masterclass, Raising Confidence, email me today because the class is filling up and I am getting so excited to inspire you as parents with the tools I'm going to share with you that will give your kids so much hope and clarity about life and what they are able to create, not only on the outside, but what they can create on the inside as humans to manifest a life full of so much magic. All I know is if I knew all of these tools when I was younger, my life would have been not only easier, but I would have had so much more confidence and a knowing in my heart that life is always working for me, not to me. And life is about giving and being in gratitude and see the magic that evolves from living in that place. Don't wait to sign up for this. It's free and there is no better time than now. We are home more than ever and our kids have experienced a new life here on earth, just like we have. Let's grow and learn together and make this transition into what will be our new normal, easy and full of love and fun. I promise you will be shouting from the rooftops after telling all of your friends with kids these tools and the magic that your kids are experiencing from it all. Just email me at ashleygonner at gmail.com and I'll send you over the information or go to the show notes 
down in this episode, click on the link and that will save your spot and get you all signed up. I am so excited for 2021 and empowering not only us as parents, but giving our kids hope that they are going to create amazing lives for themselves. Now on with our episode. So why do I call this next guest a magic moment? Well, as I said in the beginning, he is someone I followed for over 10 years now. His gifts and abilities are beyond anything I've seen before. I've watched him change lives and has given people a sense of peace who have lost loved ones or have given people closure, knowing that all is well and that the beautiful soul they lost in physical form is okay and with them. I can't wait to share with you his magic. If you've ever questioned what happens on the other side when you pass on or want to understand death and our souls and really feel a sense of peace when you think about your loved ones who has passed, well, on this episode, it will open your eyes and allow you a new outlook on life after death. So before we get started with what is going to be one of the most magical interviews ever on this show, let me tell you a little background about Tim Braun. Tim Braun is an internationally renowned medium. He has conducted over 16,000 sittings over the past 23 years. Born in Whittier, California, and as a USC graduate with a BA in interdisciplinary studies, he is the youngest of six children and currently resides in Orange County, California. It is Tim's desire to heal those with grief of loss and to reestablish the ties that we have lost with those who are no longer with us. Tim believes our love is the link that allows us to connect with those on the other side. Many of Tim's clients have had their lives changed dramatically and have been given hope that there is a place of beauty and joy that exists at the end of our lives on this earth. Loved ones are there and love doesn't die, but is taken to this place called the other side. So without further ado, please welcome Tim Braun. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you. Beyond grateful. You're someone that I have followed, like I said, for, for sure for 10 years. I know you're just in Orange County, not far from me. And, you know, I, I think what I have learned a lot what I've drawn from my Tim Braun like research lately to get ready for you has been love. Learning to love yourself, I guess, is my what I really pulled from you. And when you do that, you love. And then that is what propels this a magical life, you know, like living here on this earth and to learn how to love. And the main thing is learning how to love yourself. Is that Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I learned that back in 1995 when I was in Calcutta, India, working with Mother Teresa. And I was working with her when she was alive in 1995 for about a, a week and a half. And what I learned from her is selfless love. She just continued to, to give. She didn't care what religion the person was or what ethnicity or social status. She just went out and gave love. And I learned that working hands-on with her for that time. And I took that back and it's something I never forgot. And I just incorporated that into all my sittings throughout these years. As mentioned, I've been doing this work full-time for 23 years. And you know, I, I do five sittings now a day, four days a week. But that was up until about a, a year ago. I was doing six sittings a day, four times a week. So when people say, how do you know that you've done over 16,000 individual sittings. I'm like, well, one day I was bored and I just kind of multiplied. I've been fully booked for the last 23 years on how many weeks I've been doing it, how many months I've been doing it. And I came up with a number. Wow. Uh, but when I came up with the numbers, it was 13,000, but that number was uh, a couple years ago. But regardless, I've been doing this for a long time, been working in eight countries doing this work. And one thing about mediumship is that death does not discriminate. You know, so it affects everybody. You know, I have clients that come in who can barely afford to see me. And they, there's other clients that come in who, you know, can um, buy me outright a, a million times over because they're so wealthy. But the same things in common is that they're grieving the loss of a loved one. And mm -hmm. that's why I always say that death does not discriminate to, to anybody and that's one thing that when I give the love to everybody, I treat everybody the same. 
And, you know, I have celebrities that come in and half the time I don't even know they're, they're celebrities because I don't watch TV. And um, I think they probably appreciate that. But then I have other people that, you know, that they really saved up a, a, a while to come in. And I just treat everybody the same. I give them the, the, the same amount of time, same amount of energy. And I'm very honest when I do this work. Yes, you know, that is. I, you have very, definitely integrity. You're mm-hmm. this, for sure. That's what I get from you because yeah. you want to make sure no one has anything to you but their first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I just uh, came from a sitting. I'm I'm scheduling this time off right now in between clients here at the office, and you know, just my previous client, um, you know, mentioned at the very end. He said, um, "You described my son." So clearly, I want to show you a picture of him. And I says, no, I don't want to see a picture. And he goes, no, no, I want you to see a picture of him. I says, no. I says, here's why. I said, because if you ever come back in again, let's just say that your son has, you know, a big birthmark on his cheek. Or let's just say that he had a scar. And I bring that through in the sitting. I can bring that through with validation, not from what I would remember from the sitting. Um, Even when I do my sittings, I always like to say the the less the medium knows, the better, you know. Mm -hmm. Many times when people sit with me, they get very, very comfortable and they start wanting to share. And this just happened um, yesterday where um, a woman came in. She says, oh, you're describing my mother so so clearly. Um, she died of, I'm like, don't, nope, don't tell me the information. I says, because what happens is when you give information to the medium, the medium can go off of that, which is fraud. Um, mm-hmm. And I've noticed that those on spirit side, they get lazy. So I told the clients, I told the lady yesterday, I said, listen, I don't want to go off a of fraud and I want them to still work for us. So I said, let's just keep your mouth quiet. And at the very end, you can ask any questions. So oh, funny. Doing that for many years. But when you say lazy, the spirit gets lazy. It's because she's explained it all, but they want so badly to come through. So they want you to, they're trying to give you everything they can so that there's something really prominent about them that they yeah. will. Exactly. Exactly. Those on spirit side, they are wanting to make that contact. They're wanting to make that communication. But if the living is basically giving the medium all the information, then they just step back and say, oh, we don't need to put that energy across. You know, my daughter or my son's doing it all for me, you know. Right. And I see at times spirit gets a little lazy. So we got to make sure that I work hard and we got to make sure that spirit works hard for the client. Okay, before I go into all my questions and we get to go deeper, right, like we're where we are now, I want people to understand, because this is called Uncover Your Magic, I feel when you were six and you are the youngest of six kids, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And your brother, will you explain kind of, you know, when you started to realize you had this gift and what you did along the way? And then we'll dive into some questions. Yeah, sure. So I'm the youngest, youngest of six. And one thing that you forgot to mention is in a very Catholic family. You know, my mom's the oldest of six children in a very Catholic family. And my dad's the youngest of 10 kids in a very, very Catholic family. And, and even my own relatives on both sides of the family, they call my parents the Catholic Taliban because it was just way too Catholic. And I grew up with that. And so can you imagine having a child in that type of a family, you know, having mediumistic skills, you know, instantly they wanted to start praying for me and praying on me. But I had the gifts, yes, since I was six years of age. And it wasn't until, you know, I was 21 that I really kind of pursue it. And I'll tell you the reason why. So when I was six, six and a half years of age, I used to play in my parents' backyard with Joey, who was my friend who lived down the street. He lived the second house from the end. And him and I would play with our Tonka toys every single day in the backyard. And then it came Christmas, which is the time of the year that my parents very, very much always celebrated with the stockings and the whole gamut. So I says, oh, can we put up a stocking for Joey? And um, because I'm like, you know, he would really love some treats. He would really love it. You know, he's my best friend. And my mom looked at me like, like the deer in the head, like she goes, who's Joey? And I said, the one I play with in the backyard every single day. And she goes, honey, she said, I look at you every time and watch you, but you're by yourself. What do you mean? Joey? And it wasn't until then, Ashley, that I realized, okay, I might be losing my mind. And huh. at that same time, my brother, who is 18 years old or still is 18 years older than myself, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So hmm. he was actually living in a home. 
at my parents' home along with me. So he was hearing voices, seeing spirits, and I was hearing voices and seeing spirits. And it was just a crazy time. What was even more crazy is I wasn't seeing what he was seeing. So I thought I was really losing my mind. (laughs) So basically from seven years of age, seven and a half until 21, every time I saw spirit off to the left, I would turn to the right. Every time I'd see spirit off to the right, I would turn to the left. I was really doing my best to ignore it. Hmm. And I did that for many, many years until I had the dream to go to India and work with Mother Teresa. And explain that because I love that story. Talk about magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always encourage clients to really pay attention to your dreams. You know, dreams can be some of the best forms of mediumship a person can have. And, you know, um, my dream going to India was I was on this um, 747 jumbo jet getting off in the airport. Now, I've been to 30 countries. And at that time, I was already hit 18 countries. There is never any airport that I ever landed in that the plane just parked way out in the middle of the tarmac. You know, Hmm. all the other airports I've gone through, all the other countries, at that time, 18 countries, you know, the plane pulled up to the gate, you know, where the, you know, you walk out and and you're right there in the lobby. But in this dream, you know, I walked down these series of, of steps and then I started walking towards this this little small building, you know, a good 300 feet away, which is quite a, quite a far, far distance. And in that dream, I saw Mother Teresa there greeting me with four missionaries. And they took my luggage and they, they escorted me into the car. And then I woke up. So it, since you asked the question on how it, how it all started, um, when I woke up, I was at USC in my college dorm room. And it was like a Sunday morning. And I remember waking up having that dream just about five minutes earlier. Um, and I actually came out of that dream seeing the energy of Mother Teresa leave the room. And sure, I come from a, a Catholic family, but I don't consider myself a Catholic. I, I never have. Um, sure, I heard of Mother Teresa, but I don't know really anything about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was back in 1994 when she was still alive. And I'm like, why am I seeing this image of this woman who it looks like Mother Teresa leaving the room and coming into my dream? So what I did is I called it information. I asked the operator for a Catholic church, you know, in Los Angeles. It just shows how Catholic I really am. I didn't even know where Catholic church was. And um, they gave me St. Vivian as Catholic Cathedral at that time. And they said, "Um, perfect. I said, I'll take that. And when I called the number of the church, I said, can you tell me any um, information about Mother Teresa? And they said, well, we had the brothers of Mother Teresa and we had the sisters of Mother Teresa. Which number would you like? And I almost wanted to say the sisters. And I just about ready to say like this, like this. And I heard spirit come through that same voice when I was a child says, no, ask for the brothers. And so I changed it. I said, no, no, I I won't take the sisters. I'll take the brothers of Mother Teresa, their number. So I called out that number instantly. And this man answered the phone and he goes, how can I help you? I didn't want to tell him I had a dream. Yeah, right. but, yeah, he probably <laughs> a nut job. And so um, I just says, can you tell me any information about Mother Teresa? And he goes, well, there's a man that just came in from India last night. I'm sure he would be interested in talking to you. So I said, great. And I said, I'll come over there whenever. He goes, well, how about now? And I says, great. He said, where are you located? I said, well, I'm here in Los Angeles at USC. He goes, well, we're just three blocks up the street. Oh, I'm, my gosh. Oh, that's crazy. So I drove my car to the place, and as I was walking up the stairs, this Caucasian man said, oh, this must be Tim. And I said, yes, it is. And then he introduced me to Brother Yeshadas, and I never saw the Caucasian man again. I'm sitting in this room with this Indian man, and I said, I had, and he said, a dream to come to India. And he took it out of my, my mouth, yeah. And I basically said, well, if I come to India, and he goes, yes, I will help you. And so long story short is three months later, I found myself in Calcutta. He was the one, along with three other male missionaries, they um, picked me up at the airport. And then the next morning is when I met Mother Teresa. And when I met her for the very first time, I'm looking at the rooms, the kitchen, the living room of of the home, all these different pictures of this man, Brother Yeshadas, with Mother Teresa. I'm like, gosh, he's really in a lot of pictures with her. Well, uh-huh. out later, about a week later, when I basically said I have access, when I was talking to these other missionaries, I'm like, yeah, I can go see Mother Teresa anytime I want. They signed me in. They said, how did you get that? I'm like, oh, Brother Yeshadas. And they said, oh, well, he's the head missionary worldwide of all the male missionaries. 
Oh my so he gosh. Was the head of male missionaries. She was the head of female missionaries worldwide. And so I met the top boss. So oh, wow. that's in a, in a nutshell. It's in the book, Life and Death. I, I put that, that story in there for people to read. Oh, I love that. And so you do that. I know you went to school and you, I think you said your dream was to be a talk show host and you worked at the Paramount, all that, mm-hmm. those f- jobs between you've yeah. really started using this gift as your career. But when you were in Hawaii and you had, we were there for dinner and that was like your first experience until this thing catapulted you to this level that you are now. Can you go from there and then we'll start asking questions? Yeah, just- so I was in Hawaii with uh, my previous partner and we were there having dinner with his friend from high school in Kailua, Hawaii, who's now a firefighter. And it was him, his wife, and his two daughters. Well, as we sat down at the dinner table, you know, everybody's kind of shuffling for who's going to sit where. And I just sat down and, you know, my friends, my partner's friends just sat right next to me. And then the others kind of sat more down on the other end. I'm like, that's really strange. I mean, why is, why is this guy sitting next to me? And all of a sudden I was eating dinner and all of a sudden I looked at him and he goes, is there something wrong? And I said, there's a woman coming through on your left shoulder, which is your mom's side of the family. And she keeps on telling me two things repetitively where I can't even finish my meal because it's distracting me so much. And he kind of gave me this look like I was off my rocker. (laughs) And I said, well, I said, she's telling me to joke around with her, you know, again, that was something that comes across very, very strong and let you know that there's nothing else that you could have done for her and to grieve. And once I said that, the man just broke down crying. He goes, my mother just died three months ago. And out of the Hawaiian family, I was the only one that joked around with her. Nobody else did because she was so, so tough. And I've never really processed the grief and I've never forgiven myself for not being there with her and for her at the end. So that was the first message that I gave and it was in Hawaii. And then after that, it just like the floodgates opened up and it turned into a full-fledged career. So it's all word of mouth and it's when people have those magic experiences and yeah. realize the, yeah. that you're the real thing. I get that. And yeah. I guess, you know, I, for me, like the questions, cause I know my listeners are all like perked up now, <laughs> you know, my dad passed away. I'm going to use my experience right now just to kind of start it. But when I was having my first daughter, Paige, she's 14 now. So her birthday is May 5th and he passed away two days later on May 7th and I wasn't able to see him. And it was kind of an all of a, you know, he was only 64, it kind of came out of the blue. And so when you describe like a birth and a death, you know, coming in and out and having a hard time to greet, you know, like the grieving and the joy of this new child, your first baby, how do you describe that? Well, you know, there's, there's, Many things with that. You know, I, first of all, believe that we're all part of our own soul group. And in our soul group, you know, we have people that are our friends, and then we have people that could be our enemies. But really, in every soul group, you have what's called teachers. You know, the people who are your friends are teaching you how to love, and the people that are enemies or the people that are difficult are teaching you certain things with that. But in that soul group, you know, we all incarnate you know, at different times. And when that last person in that soul group passes over, then on spirit side, you readjust who's going to be who next lifetime. So, you know, I've seen many times where uh, a person said, I used to be your mother in a previous life. Now I want to be your daughter or Mm -hmm. things like that. And so getting back to your question regarding this whole situation, you know, I, I just kind of look at it as, you know, you're basically celebrating two birth dates, with only two days apart, you know, the birth date of Paige, sure, that's a birth date. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, your dad's death date. And I've seen many, many times where those in spirit, you know, has come through and said, you know, yes, when the child is born, you honor that. But you have to realize is that we on spirit side lose one of our own. When a person passes, we're grieving, you know, mm-hmm. very, very much. But those in spirit side has one of their own back. So... I've seen many times that the person's birth date is comes across. I mean, sorry, the, the person's death date comes across as their birth date. Huh, many times in, in a sitting. And so that would be something I would suggest to you to understand is look at those two basically sharing the same birthday week. Right. Oh, neat. Okay. I will. I love that. So my, 
when you talk about soul groups and I've had other people I've interviewed, we've talked about that. And with your take on it, you know, we are in spirit form, we're in heaven or whatever, and we all have this group and we've all decided that I'm going to be the mom this time because we all learn well together, right? We've chosen each other. And that's like the feeling that you get when you're here on this, in this earth that you have that Oh, I love her. You know, there's something that just resonates with me, you know, that feeling that I just get with that person if it's a friend, but you know, we're all here to learn. So like now when you say they all wait for the last person of the soul group to get there. So my dad's still waiting there for us to come. If he's part of your soul group, many times parents are, many times your siblings are part your best friends are part of the soul group. It's very individualistic from person to person. But if your father was part of your soul group, then yes, he would be waiting for you to cross over to transition for you guys to change it up on spirit side. You know, I was hearing the different thoughts of your viewing audience when you said, you know, we would come here and we pick our parents and we pick our, our siblings. And I could hear the thoughts in your viewing audience saying, well, I must've been really drunk on spirit side for picking my mom or right. been really messed up mm-hmm. on spirit side for picking my sisters. Cause I can't stand them. Well, no, you picked correctly. And, you know, you picked in a way that you're supposed to look at them as teachers, you know, you know, and I'm youngest of six kids. You know, I have, you know, one sister who refers clients to me and then I have the rest of my family that are praying for my soul. Wow. I just say, bring on the prayers, you know? Right. So even in my family, I have one sister who is similar to my mom. She's what I would call a crazy Catholic. She just kind of takes it to the extreme. Um, And in my phone, I put her, her, um, her contact name as a certain name. And it was probably about, oh, maybe um, four or five years ago. I, of course, I forgot I put the, the contact name for my sister in the phone is that name. And my phone started ringing. And my friend said, Tim, your phone's ringing. And I said, oh, can you answer for me? I'll be right down. And he goes, it says the Antichrist is calling. And I said, <laughs> no. I says, don't answer it. It's my sister, Teresa. She's crazy. Don't answer the call. So one of the mm-hmm. things I have to learn is I have to learn to send forgiveness and love. And it's difficult. I'm telling you, when you're around crazy people and people that are difficult, it's really, really difficult to do that. But, right. you know, no exception. Yes, I'm a medium, but I'm not a saint. And right. I learned my lessons as well. And she's one of the obstacles that I have to learn that lesson. Right. You know, when thinking of it, when they're like, like my dad passed away and the only grandkids that were born at that time were my daughter and my sister's son that are the same age. Now, going to the children that have been born since where he has not met them, did he meet them before? Because Yes. Yes and no. <laughs> I've seen even my previous sitting today, I was actually seeing a, a woman in spirit holding a baby and it was actually the woman's grandmother that was holding a baby. And I said, I said, she's holding this baby. I said, do you know if your grandmother lost a baby? And she goes, no. And I'm like, well, she's really holding this baby with love. And she goes, well, my sister's pregnant right now. Mm. So really what that woman on spirit side was doing was holding that energy. And, okay. um, and so that many times happens. Right. And you know how you, you get this sense of their personality and you start saying, oh my gosh, this person likes to talk or, oh my gosh, this person was a drinker and he's drinking beer can, you know, like you're getting that personality. And so that you carry your personality, your soul has that same personality that you're living in, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, as Master Jesus said, of course, the Christians and Catholics don't like when I say Master Jesus, but, you know, he's a master teacher, just like, you know, Buddha was a teacher and Gandhi was a teacher and all these different teachers that have come to this planet to try to help us ignorant people, me included. But, you know, with spirit and and doing this work and doing this very, very clearly, it's about love. And that's the most important thing is really coming from love. When I do this work, you know, I really put as much love, unconditional love into it as as possible. But as Master Jesus said, you know, as below, as above. And what that means is that if you're going to be a certain personality on earth plane, this is how you'll be on spirit side. So if you're going to be a smart ass on earth plane, you're definitely going to be that smart ass on spirit side. You know, Hmm. if you're going to be a brainiac on earth plane, you're going to be that brainiac on spirit side because you transfer that personality, you transfer that energy. So what Hmm. you study, what you learn here, 
you take over spirit side, you retain it, and then you bring it into your next life. I mean, look at Mozart. He's four years of age playing concerto number four in D minor. I mean, that's not even an 18-year-old can do that. You know, right. but a four-year-old doing it? Well, I look at that as a soul who is incarnated many times before that was a musician or was around music. So there's a gradual, you know, incline there of that intelligence. So let's say you are here now, I'm learning and I've, you know, I've accredited so much wealth and I'm like way above, I've expanded and grown and I've, you know, reached these, you know, really I feel, oh, I've grown and, and I'm really trying to get to that level. I get, I pass on. Do I ever digress and go lower or am I always going higher? depends on your life that you live here. If you live a good life, like let's just say like a Mother Teresa, you go from let's say like a from a freshman to a senior in high school, you know. Right. But if you're a person, you see this on the on the news quite often where it's like a mother and son, you know, just got caught for bank robbery. Well, you know, if you incarnate in life and you make those choices and negativity and evil brings you down, then when you originally were starting off at freshman year, you can go back to sixth grade. So huh. it's basically what you learn in that life that places you in the next one. Okay. And then when you see these, um, when you see the souls, when you're doing your reading, they have chosen their age that they want to look like. Not necessarily. Yes and no with that. Uh, many times um, they will show the actual age that they were when they passed over. But most of all, with all sittings, let's just say, for example, I'll say, you know, your father's here and let's just say he was, he's saying he's 70 years of age and, and the client, I've seen this many, many times, the client says, no, my dad was 72. And I'm like, no, he keeps on saying 70. And I hear this consistently out of every client. They'll say that was before the illness. That was Mm -hmm. when he was happy. That's when he or she had the job. You know, everything was working fine. So they will go back to a period of time that they were in a way that uh, happy. And so sometimes a person will go back to just a few years earlier before the illness or disease, that is if they had one. Sometimes they'll go back, you know, back to their 30s. It really isn't individualistic from person to person in sittings. So then how do you take on a feeling? Like the example that I listened to you was when you were on the airplane and you got on and you started feeling like the, this uncomfortable, like the, all of a sudden you're sitting on the airplane and then you spoke to those two women. There was a connection with the death of the guy that had in 9-11, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, that was a, that was a sitting um, that came in. And, you know, during that sitting, I actually felt, but, you know, getting back with, that, you know, the sitting that I had with a, a mother and, and her, was her a mother and daughter-in-law that right. came having the sitting. And behind the daughter-in-law was her husband. And I felt the plane going into the trade center. But the, and I felt everything about that. And, you know, mediums, we feel, we sense, we taste, we see, we, we feel all of it. You know, you know, I always tell clients and friends, firefighters, they get, burned and police officers, they get shot and mediums, we feel it all. Right. So, but what I remember about that sitting, that's why I put it in my book was when he came through, first of all, the amount of love that came through was immense. But as he said, there was no pain. It's like I closed my eyes and I opened them up on spirit side. And here we have this huge tragic event where of course we still have these images that are in our mind of what happened but what he explained from his perception is that he just closed his eyes and he woke up on spirit side and there's no pain. Effect. Huh. When people get in a car accident, do they remember the pain? Sometimes they do. If they are, you know, living afterwards, if sometimes a car accident happens and a person's stuck for three hours in pain and agony, they'll feel that. Hmm. When you are in a live audience and I've watched you pick out somebody because you're seeing, you're like, I see somebody in the back and then you're starting to feel like this, oh, like you almost need to, like it's in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, I still remember one of my Paula Casino shows, you know, and those are 700 seat shows. And I remember going all the way to the back of the room because this 22 year old or 23 year old young kid was coming through 
And he kept on lifting up his shirt and showing his abs. And I said, I need to go. It's either this woman or that woman. This is out of 700 people. Hmm. And um, I said, he's lifting up his shirt. And, and at that time, P90X was a, was a big thing. And her son, before he OD'd, he had these rocking abs. And he was really proud of them. So he was really trying to come through for his mother to let her know that he was there with her. Huh. You know, I was listening to this other show that you were on in November of 2015. And what you said was in five years, this world is going to go through a huge shift. And the reason they're going to go through the shift is because we need to expand. And this, we're not, we're too, you know, we need a shift. And you said it's because, like I said at the beginning of the show, is that because people need to learn how to love themselves. And it's all about love, love themselves. And so they can love other people. But do you remember doing that? It was on some show. I wrote it down. Do you remember doing that? I do. Yes. And I knew that we were at that time overdue for a big shift. And you know, it's kind of like here in California, you know, we're basically overdue for the big earthquake, you know, right. we've been talking about it for, for years. It's the same thing I was sensing for the planet. And I remember that very, very clearly, letting people know that. And I said, you know, it's all for the greater good. And, and sure, I mean, it's been a train wreck here with this pandemic for a lot of people. And, and a lot of people probably can't yet or can't right now see the good and what it is. But I always tell clients and friends that if you're finding yourself in a difficult situation, consistently say, God, show me the good. God, show me the good. If you want to say spirit, we can say spirit. If you can say universe, that's fine. Whatever resonates with you. I say God, I'm old fashioned. But if you keep on saying that over and over again, show me the good, what you're doing is you're seeking out the good and what the lessons are. Right. And the signs. Don't you believe in signs? I always do that. I love that. I always look for signs for my dad or the numbers on the clock or, you know, I always do 1111 or 123 or, you know, anything. But I know that, that when it doesn't really matter the number or what, it's just the meaning you give it and the intention behind it and that it must come from love. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And those on spirit side, if they can't get through dreams, sometimes it will come through songs on a radio. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they'll give you certain signs such as like a moving truck that, pulls right in front of you and says, you know, Frank and Sons moving service. And it's like your dad was named Frank, you know, right. it's like one of those things. It's like these signs come through very, very clear, but not everybody on spirit side can give the signs. You know, everybody's wired, wired differently. I've seen in sittings where a person has come through and they said consistently, I've been at the home so many times that, you know, your dog is seeing me, but you're not seeing me. And the validation was the person said, you know, every evening at a certain hour, my dog just keeps on staring out the window and huh. 10 minutes and then goes back. And what came through in the sitting was, you know, I forget who the relationship was, was a, I think it was a brother of a, of a client was coming through and saying, I, I'm there with you, but you're not seeing me, but your dog is. So sometimes, you know, our, our pets are the ones that see the signs and not ourselves. And so speaking of pets, since we have dogs, Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of dogs and they've passed away and they're short lives. And it's, I mean, it makes you not want to get one after one leaves. And then you just can't admit that void is so strong in my mind Mm -hmm. that I have to fill it. But, you know, when I listened, so the dogs greet you on the other end. Your pets. Pets, yes. I'm a dog person, but yes. So any pets that you've had are greeting you. So my babies that I lost are going to be there, my little doggies. Yes and no. So they might not be there initially when you pass over, but when you cross over, once you're on spirit side, then at that time, any person or any pet that you want to link up with, as long as they're in a good energy, you can link up with them. But sometimes when a person crosses over, sometimes they need to be welcomed by a guide if it was a tragic passing. And plus, when it's a tragic, quick passing, those on spirit side we're not aware of the arrival. So, you know, sometimes they are not there. Right. So yes and no. So sometimes pets will be there greeting. Like my very first client today, I, I told him, I said, yeah, your dog just came in here past two years ago that you had to euthanize. And the man was just sobbing. And I said, uh. the dog's going to be greeting you when you pass. 
before any adult. Now, that was for his sitting, but every sitting is very different and it's very individualistic from person to person. Uh, you know, and prayer and, you know, I always say um, out loud to my dogs, like to say out loud, like, hi, dad, help me with this. And you do stress that importance, right? About yes. how important it is to talk out well, loud or prayer or. Um, well, prayer is talking to spirit or talking to God. Meditation is listening to spirit, listening to God. So the more, you know, we can do a both listening and also speaking that's the best combo. Do you do anything in the morning to start? Do you have rituals that you do to kind of get tapped in? When I start the sessions every single day, I'll go to my office for about 15, 20 minutes and I'll meditate before my first client. Throughout the day, sometimes I'll meditate for two, three, sometimes five minutes between clients. It depends on if my energy is a little bit low or if I feel like I need to tune in a little bit more, then I'll tap into spirit with that meditation. What do you talk, how do you um, describe vibration? How important that is? That's energy. And for the work that I do, it's sensing, feeling, connecting with a person and really feeling how they passed and, and, and really who they were. But when you are in a crowd and you get the person, maybe they lower their vibration. You're like, okay, we got to get the vibration up. Oh, right. Yeah. So I've, I've done that in many shows where, you know, people's energy gets a little bit more somber and they get a little bit more quiet. And I can feel that in the room where I'm saying, okay, everybody, we've got to get our energy up because those on spirit side, they're so connected to us that when we're elated and our energy's up, it charges them up more. When our energy is down or low or sad, you know, it does not charge them up as much. Hmm. So it's, that's what I meant about vibration when I've worked with audiences. Yeah. When someone sits with you and they're wanting their mom or their dad to come through and they don't, mm-hmm. and you're just, you're trying, but it's not, they're not coming through. Why is that? Don't know. It could be a few, few reasons. It could be that they are there and I'm not seeing them. It could be that they've already reincarnated. You know, it could be that they're choosing to step back to allow someone else to come in, or it could be they're just not there. You know, I always tell clients that in a sitting, you will always get what you need. You might not get who you want. Hmm. And I remember this, this is about maybe about six years ago, a woman came to see me and I said, oh, where'd you drive in from? She says, oh, Calabasas. Well, I'm down here in Newport. So she drove quite a distance. And this is, of course, pre-pandemic. So traffic would have been horrendous. Right. And so she sat down and you can tell she's just a little bit frustrated. Like she only wanted one person to come through. She only had one thing that she wanted to hear and nothing else. And so first of all, I saw this Cocker Spaniel dog that came in. I said, oh, there's a Cocker Spaniel here. And she goes, I don't know what that means. Very abruptly. And I said, well, it's a dog and it's about this high. And she goes, well, I know what they look like. (laughs) I said, well, it's here. And she goes, well, I don't know what that means. And I said, listen, if a dog's coming in like this, and it's really showing me this description, is either for you or somebody connected with you. And she, because I wouldn't give up on that. And she looked at me and she says, yes, my husband and I had one and it died three years ago. And I'm like, well, it's here. It's trying to come in. It's trying to give you this unconditional love. And then she blurted out, I'm here to see my daughter, not the dog. Oh, wow. <laughs> so once she said that, I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go on any further. And she was really quite shocked that I turned her away after 10 minutes because you know what? She only had one person in her mind. And I could just tell you that she was so frustrated that it wasn't working, that I don't force it to happen. If it happens, you know, the person comes through, it comes through. But if they don't, I don't force it. So you have had to push people. You've mm-hmm. had to end them. Yeah. I would say in my whole career, it's only been about three or four times that I've had to do that. Throughout all the other sittings, a person will come through, but it won't be the person that you've invited in. So sometimes, you know, a grandfather will come in who was not invited in, who was not well-liked, will come in and say, I really am sorry for my alcoholism and how it created so much havoc in the family. Now, that person did not want that grandfather to be there. They wanted their father. But the grandfather is coming in through first and saying, I'm sorry for that. Now, that healing needs to be addressed there with that client regarding that grandfather because of the abuse that, that happened. So yeah. a lot of times that healing will come through in that way. So when people are, you know, have alcoholism and they choose that before they come to have that, they choose all their lessons 
Yes and no. For alcoholism and let's say drug addiction, sometimes that might not be in your cards that, that you, you're supposed to have that. But here on the planet, we have what's called free will. And, you know, we have to discipline ourselves to focus on the good and do what we've come here to do and not kind of get sucked into the negative. Right. So when they pass on and they decide to come back, they will not have that again or they'll have to go through that again until they fix it? Depends on the lesson. So, you know, like, for example, last week I had a client come in, a woman, she was probably in her mid-60s. And standing behind her were three men. And when they stand directly behind the client, that shows me that would be in the category of a husband or a brother or a son. And I was describing all three of these men and all three of the men, different personalities, but all three men were alcoholics. And she says, this is amazing. You described my three husbands. Oh, wow. The first thing I thought to the woman is like, did you not learn the lesson? the (laughs) Right. So, you know. Old souls, I look at as, as slow learners. We have to keep on coming back and, and learning until we get that lesson. And that's right. also the, the case for those on, who, who cross over. Sometimes they might learn the lesson, sometimes they might not. But we are the ones that judge ourselves when we cross over in that life review. And when you say life review, I was gonna, what is yeah. that? That's a great question. So every time a person passes on the planet, within the first seven seconds, you have your life review and you see all the good that you've done, you see all the bad that you've done. And that's all within seven seconds, no matter what age you are, whether you're 100 years of age or whether you're 10 years of age. And, you know, I always tell clients, it's kind of like you look for not the good, you're looking at the bad, like how can I fix the bad, you know? Hmm. Because the bad is what's kind of holding you back where you didn't learn that lesson. And I put it in this kind of metaphor, it's kind of like when you wash a car in your driveway and it's all soap set it up and you start hosing the car down you know, what are you looking for? You're not looking for what's clean. You're looking for what's dirty. You're looking for the dirty spots to clean them. And that's the same thing as when you cross over, you're not looking at so much what's clean, but you're looking at like, what do I still need to work on? What do I still need to fix? Ah, got it. So do some people get so evolved and expanded that they never want to come back? True. Yes. But we choose to come back in order to learn certain lessons. Like, for example, I look at it that Mother Teresa never had to come here, but she chose to kind of, in a way, lower herself to come to this planet to help out. But I don't feel that she had to. I feel that she chose to. Mm-hmm. And do you think, so when she was born, you know, she had the free will to not be Mother Teresa or have that ability or, you know, have that who she was really destined to be. She could have chosen the other path in the why of the road. Well, I look at people like her. Well, I look at most of us here is that we have a predestiny. Now it's not 100% predestiny, but there's a good 70%, 75% that's predestined. We know the age that we are, when we're going to die. We know the children we're going to have, etc. A lot of that's predestined. The other 25% is free will. You know, so, you know, Mother Teresa would be the 75%. It's like, I'm going to be this nun. I'm going to come to the poorest city in the world. But the, the other 25% is, could be like smoking or drinking, or it could be gambling. It's free will. Everybody has that in the planet, but that person would just need to discipline themselves and say, no, I'm not about that in this lifetime. I need to do this. Hmm. It's the following their intuition or the knowing and being really good about that. Like, Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I believe that any person on the planet should meditate 20 minutes a day. And in that meditation, then you have more of a clear picture on on your own life review. But the real thing, Ashley, is is that before we incarnate and we're in soul form on spirit side, we are there with a spirit guide. And that spirit guide says, okay, Ashley, are you sure you want to come to the planet? You know, you're going to lose your father at this age. Your daughter's going to be born, you know, two days, two days before, et cetera, et cetera. Are you going to be okay with that? And the reason why we're all here on the planet is because we all have said yes, you know. Mm. But when the baby is born, the, when the umbilical cord is cut, then that soul forgets what it's signed on to do. Right. Technically, you and I and everybody else on the planet are walking aimlessly around the planet, wondering what else do we sign on to do? Mm -hmm. So do you pick your death? Sometimes you can, sometimes you don't. It's, it's all individualistic from person to person. There's, it's not a cookie cutter. Every person's life and transition and soul 
group is the most important to them and what they have to learn. Hmm. Like when you see an old soul, like I see babies sometimes, I go, oh, she just, you could just tell she has an old soul. Mm-hmm. Is that what um, you mean? I look at old souls as slow learners. They have to keep on coming back over and over again to do it. Huh. And when I see an old soul, I look at it like they've been here so many times. Is that what you mean? The same thing? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Okay. We're coming to our end. I just, oh, thank you. I could keep going. It's like, I, I feel like I'm going boom, boom, boom. But, oh, Tim, gratitude beyond. Thank you. You're a gift to this world. You're an angel. You see the energy around you when I see you. Thank you. Well, listen, you know, the most important thing here is that, you know, when we are on this planet, it's about doing the best as you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no difference, you know, for me being a medium than a person being a school teacher or for your viewing audience out there that might be housekeepers or crossing guards at a school, you know, all jobs is important to us, but it's about doing that job 110% as best as you possibly can. So me being a medium, you know, I give 110% as best as I can. And that's my job, you know, but anybody else on the planet, whether you're a school teacher or accountant or whatever, it's about giving your 110%. So that's the most important thing for your viewing audience to understand. Oh, I love that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you do know when you have reached this place, like your purpose, you have a purpose. You've, I mean, everyone has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And when you really feel it and you can see it in you and you're like, oh, you know, this whole, your whole essence is you're in your purpose. Yeah. What a feeling, right? Yeah. And what you can give. I love it. Yeah. It's, you know, this is not work for me. It's, this is not a job for me. This is enjoyment. I, I love doing the work that I do. Oh, that's like a dream, right? That's amazing. You're living a dream. Well, I appreciate you. And to find you, I'll have all of the stuff in the show notes, your website, you're on Instagram. Are you on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tim Brown Medium. Okay. So we can find you all there and you'll do phone sittings and... Um, you know, call all, all around the world and phone sittings are just as fine as in person as long as you don't have any barking dogs or children or people coming to your door as long as you don't have any distractions phone sittings are just as important when just as as real as in person sittings are you doing the phone without seeing them like not on zoom or anything is it just I, listening I, no i i do in in person sittings and i do phone sittings but the phone ones aren't you don't see their face are you yeah i it's only by phone i don't do any any um zoom or anything like huh. that cuz half the time i when i do the phone settings my my eyes are closed anyways but i don't i don't do that hmm oh, and your new are you have any 2021 tim braun plans or are you just kind of like seeing what what comes you know i love to travel i've been to 30 countries and so this is with the pandemic, it's been hard for me not to travel. So, you know, I really like to get Italy in for 2021 and also Greece. So we'll see if that happens. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Tim. You're I appreciate welcome. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.